Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. This is your Premier League 2022-2023 preview. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined today by three expert guests, a couple of tipsters in the form of Jack Wright and, and Mark O'Hare, and uh, delighted to be joined by David Priest as well uh, as we look ahead to the season upcoming. Uh, I'm your host, George Ellick, and before we get into the action, uh, just going to point those, if you're watching this, it's obviously because you like a bet, so do go and check out the Acker Scout online, a whole new content series from Oddschecker designed to find the best betting value for football punters, particularly those eyeing up their next accumulator. So go and check that out and go and check out the Oddschecker app as well, where you can find all the markets we're going to be talking about over the course of the show as well. Jack, I'll start with you. You know, we, we've been doing a fair bit of work together over the summer and stuff. How's the, uh, you know, excited to finally get the Premier League underway, even though as a Norwich fan, you know, you won't be, um, <laughs> your season started with a bit of a whimper on Saturday. Well, I don't think there's any need for that early dig there. <laughs> I can't, had, I had an Oxford get on in League One? I can't remember. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the season, as always, uh, I say it's obviously whizzed round super quick this summer. Um, we had to uh, say the EFL start uh, last weekend, and uh, now we're now we're into the, the top flight. So lots of new faces to look forward to seeing, and some familiar old ones as well. So uh, again, it should be another thrilling campaign if we can get something similar to last season. Happy days! Yeah, absolutely. And all I can say is that Connor Harrahan should not be playing in League One off the back of your uh, your quip <laughs> there, um, Mark. I've seen and heard um, a fair bit of you in the last couple of weeks. The busiest man in, in football betting, I would say. Um, you must be excited to to get off these Zoom calls every every day. No, uh, this is a wonderful time of the year, George. Um, I had a nice big break um, away at the end of the season and just kind of uh, zoned out really. And I think you need a break to sort of. Uh, just, just give yourself a bit of a breather after what's been quite a, a hectic 18 months or two years really since the pandemic influenced football and um, yeah I've come back refreshed ready to go and I'm just hoping for a similar season to what we saw last year in the Premier League where if I remember rightly we went into the final weekend with the title the top four and relegation or well pretty much uh, uh, you know um, possible so yeah something similar would be great and uh, I think the Premier League has obviously enhanced itself in, in the summer with some really big name signings too so um, yeah looking forward to the big kickoff now. Yeah, you've done you've done my job for me there by mentioning all the markets we're going to go through. We'll be doing the, the Premier League winner, top four, relegation, golden boot, sack race, all of them in the next 45 minutes, hour or so. And then finally, David Priest, you know, a man who's actually played football, a man who's actually coached football as well, rather than us pretenders. Uh, David, great to have you have you back with us. Uh, are, are you excited for the campaign? I know you went to a game on, on the weekend in the FL as well. Yeah, I mean, after the last few years sort of being Al Svenskan and League One, it's it's nice to have a little bit of focus on Premier League and uh, and all the big hitters, so I'm looking forward to it. Given that you've actually, you know, as I say, worked for clubs um, over the last kind of 20, 20 years or so, what would you say, with this season coming up, we've got the World Cup um, obviously starting, which means there's going to be in the Premier League a, a break in the middle of the season. What... what do you think that could happen, you know, even taking betting out of it? Do you think we're going to see more managers being sacked because there is that break halfway through the campaign? Do you think we're going to see maybe the stronger teams with bigger squads improving because they get that break? Or are we going to see the minnows who maybe don't have as many players going to Qatar enjoying that? How do you see the, the difference of this season uh, affecting what happens? Yeah, I mean, I think everything that you've mentioned there, it's going to affect every club. It's going to affect every manager. You're perhaps right about the uh, the management situation where if it gives clubs a little bit more time to uh, to focus on 
giving them um, a new manager more time to to bed into his club and to get to work with the players more. And of course, it, it can be an advantage that as well. But I think it's either going to hinder people or, or help people. You know, people who are in the stride and they're going to lose players to the World Cup. You've got to think before the World Cup as well. Players' focus is going to be shifted a little bit as well. They're going to be their minds and focus is going to be on that World Cup and preparing for that. So maybe some of the things that you see at the end of the season, where there might be a little bit of a drop off, where people won't consciously be saving themselves, but they'll certainly be distracted in the back of them of the mind. So it's um, yeah, it's it's going to throw up all sorts of situations for us. Great stuff. Well, let's get into the uh, previews now and uh, looking for the. Firstly, of course, looking at the outright market, the Premier League winner market, as I say, if you download the Odds Checker app, you will find these best prices, best market prices uh, that we are going to go through today. You can also find the best free bets bookie offers and tipsters up there as well. So do check that out. Um, but Manchester City, unsurprisingly, are the favourites. They're four to six best prices. It stands uh, last season's winners just about got over the line. It looked hairy for the last half an hour or so uh, before they eased clear and lifted the title. Uh, Liverpool, second favourites at 11-4. to four. Spurs, 14-1. to one. Chelsea, 16-1. to one. Manchester United and Arsenal, both 40-1. to one. And the new boys, the new kids on the block, Newcastle, 150-1 to one ahead of Leicester, 250-1. to one. Same price as West Ham as well, 300-1 to one bar those. And in terms of the each-way betting, well, because of the nature of the market, firms going a third to two. So you can't really be uh, looking to, to nick a, a third place here in the each-way market as well. Um, Jack, so like you know, it, it, are we looking away from the top two, or is this is this a two horse race going into it with with others just trying to trying to play for the top four? Yeah, I'm afraid to say it's a two horse race for me. Um, you can't look past those two. The dominance they've shown over the last four or five seasons. Obviously, City won it for the last five. Liverpool won at the other occasion. They were best part of twenty points clear of third place last season. That's a monumental gap to try and bridge. Um, this season, and albeit the World Cup coming into play will will likely mean that there's not such a massive gap. There should should still be a, a fair gap between um, the best and the rest. So, uh, yeah, I can't see anything uh, other than those two dominating. Uh, again, uh, whether they hit the heights of, of the points they've tallied over the last few seasons is, uh, is a matter for debate, and I possibly think they might fall short of those. But you know when they when they're hitting nineties in both um, points tallies and in goals scored, that's an incredibly high bar to try and hit. But uh, obviously they've brought some big names in and, and scorers in, so that's uh, not not to be completely ruled out. But uh, yeah, I think um, if if you wanted to have a bet on that, it's very very tough to mm. to get into that market uh, at that that prohibitive price, considering it's a, a nine month wait to to visit the pay counter. But uh, Potentially, some of the forecasts offer some opportunities. I know um, City Liverpool one two is is seven to four, so that that comes into a possibility. Um, and if you really want to go with it, uh, I know you mentioned the each way market, but potentially uh, for me, uh, I, I'm liking Spurs. But we'll obviously come on to the top four later. But uh, a, a one two three would, would pay seven to one if you're going to be that ambitious. But um, I think there's possibly better opportunities to invest your money elsewhere than that particular market. But like we mentioned, if it's as exciting as it was last season, where it went down to the final 20 minutes, then, um, yeah, happy days. I guess that's the, the thing here, is that I don't think there are many people who aren't Liverpool fans who wouldn't agree that City are the rightful favourites. But there's a fair price discrepancy between the two clubs, especially when you look back at, you know, I'm certainly of the school that I don't think you can pay any attention to, to friendly results at all. But you look back at the, 
Community Shield on Saturday, and you wouldn't have thought there would be such a big difference, Mark, with you between the two. So, looking at the outright market, can you can you find any value there, or like Jack, are you looking to to play your opinions in in maybe sub markets? Yeah, I will be. Um, what I would say on the outright price is, you know, we all know City have been the best and, and the most dominant team in the Premier League over the last five seasons, bar that one which they didn't win. They're averaging 92 points and, and 97 goals over a five-game sample. Add Erling Haaland into the mix and. You know, they look pretty unstoppable, but the market is kind of giving them a 60 to 65 percent chance of winning the title. And I think that might be a little bit too kind. Um, if we look over the last four seasons, Man City and Liverpool, City have accumulated 358 Premier League points. Liverpool have earned 357. So there's one point difference between the two teams over a four season basis. And, you know, in two of those seasons when City did win the title, it was by just a, a one point margin as well. So. I think the market's being slightly disrespectful towards Liverpool at the current prices at 11 to 4. Um, clearly, they've lost Mane, so you'd assume there's a slight downgrade there. And, you know, it's a question mark around uh, Darwin Nunez's name and whether he'll be able to adapt as quickly as Luis Diaz did to the Premier League. But if he does, then sure, Liverpool, for me, have the strongest squad. And I mean, squad, not, maybe not necessarily the first 11. The city squad itself has actually kind of been weakened, I'd say, with the departures of Zinchenko and, and Sterling and uh, Gabriel Jesus as well. Um, clearly, you know, I'm not going to sort of you know, slag off Pep Guardiola and say he's doing the wrong thing. Clearly, he's got uh, an idea of what's required, and Calvin Phillips is a wonderful addition. But you know, I don't know a huge amount of Julian Alvarez, but clearly he's being rated as being capable of being part of that squad. But I would look at City and say, as a squad, they're possibly weaker than Liverpool. Uh, and as we say, we don't really know how the World Cup is going to affect things, and. You know, 11 to 4, I'd rather be a backer of Liverpool than Man City at the current prices. Yeah, 11 to 4, Liverpool best price was Sport Nation. Is there another angle to this, David, as well, where I think everybody knows that for Manchester City, the Champions League is the golden egg. And going into each season, whilst, you know, of course, they are going to commit um, everything towards the Premier League title, as the season wears on, and as the likelihood is they're going to get into the Champions League group stages, could that play into Liverpool's hands later on in the campaign? Possibly, but I mean, they've shown over the last four or five seasons that even though that focus has been there for the, the Champions League, it, it hasn't stopped them from, um, from performing in the, in the <laughs> Well, yes, but I mean, certainly when we reach the last stages. But when it comes to these two sides, it's like we'll go on to discuss other, other clubs where there's lots of ins and outs and there's um, new managers coming in. And you look at that group below Liverpool and Manchester City and you just think, because of the stability, because of the consistency, there's no big overhaul that there's, they're just tweaking squads here and there. It just gives them such a massive advantage. And there's very few teams in the division this year. And perhaps another one or two that I can think of at the top of my head where there is just, just that tweaking going on. There has been an improvement last year and they're just making small improvements again this year. So that's the massive advantage they've got over the other clubs as well as the quality that they've got in squads. Very decisive for the business, aren't they? They they, they get in and mm. get it done. They know what they want, and it's done early on. And 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 as you say, they're stable. I think it was very bullish, given this this World Cup year, that that Man City have actually gone and Mark obviously mentioned it already to sell Jesus Sterling and Zinchenko, and not even out of the league to within the league. Obviously, states how confident they are with what they've got, but it's a possible we'll get a gamble which we'll we'll find out whether it's uh um will backfire or not uh, as the season progresses but certainly an interesting dynamic 
this won't make me popular down the road with my um, Arsenal supporting nephews, but is there not a, a slight thinking there that it's not the worst thing to strengthen Arsenal of all the clubs? You know, it's not not really a club who are going to be um, competing with you at the top end of the table, but might strengthen them against the other teams at the top end. Um, maybe that's just a cynic in me, but I don't think we'd have seen um, Jesus maybe go to Conte's um, Spurs, but but we'll see. Um, David, can, can you see any, you know, at the prices at the moment, can you see any value in the, in the winner market? I think it's just there's so so far ahead of everyone else. I think it'll be be foolish to look at anyone. But I think that um, if you're looking at the, the the business done this summer, uh, you have to think that the ones of the club that's done the best in the in the market is uh, is Spurs. They're the ones who um, clearly improved under Conte. I know there, there was a little wobble. I think it was the Burnley game when he threw his toys out the pram and sort of got frustrated. And and maybe that's pushed. Sort of just uh, push the envelope a little bit, just so they can um, uh, he can release uh, some funds from from Daniel Levy and and to really make it a go of it. And he's proved himself as a coach. You know, he should be backed by the by the owners, and clearly that's uh, that's what's happened this summer. So if there's anybody who's going to creep in there, you could see that Chelsea as well. Thomas Tuchel. Things don't seem to be going well at the club at the moment. Obviously, there was the ownership issues. Seems to be some problems in uh, in pre season as well. So it, it, otherwise, looking back twelve months, you would see it was Chelsea coming off the back of the Champions League uh, win, but um, all's not well there either. So it's um, yeah, it, it's difficult to see beyond the front too. I think. Yeah, it's interesting. This time last year, not only were Chelsea the, the one seemed to be um, the closest to Manchester City, but they were they were a shorter price in Liverpool to win the league. They were second favourites to win the league. Liverpool third favourites. It just goes to show how much has changed over the last calendar year. Um, there is a market for without Manchester City and Liverpool, um, and Tottenham are the seven and four favourites in that market. That's with Coral, uh, Chelsea twenty three to ten, Manchester United eleven to two, Arsenal eight to one, and then Newcastle thirty threes, West Ham fifty to one. Similarly, in the top four market, now that we're going to discuss, um, you know, the best of the rest. Unsurprisingly, City 33 to 1 on, um, as short as 500 on the spread X. Uh, Liverpool 7 on, uh, they're also as short as 200 on. Um, Spurs 4 to 6. Uh, Chelsea are uh, the same price 4 to 6. Arsenal 9 to 5. Manchester United 11 to 5. Newcastle uh, are 17 to 2. Mark, how would you like to play these ones? We said at the top end, you reckon City are maybe a little bit too short. Um, because of the each way, the the way the market is with each way terms, it's hard to really play any of these best of the rest. But there is the without the market and there is the top four market. So who do you, who do you want to be with there? Uh, Tottenham in both senses. Uh, I think the seven to four without Liverpool and Man City is, is absolutely fine. Uh, I think the four to six for Spurs to finish. In the top four is also quite appealing if you if you stuck it in a couple of acres with a few other season long bets too. Um, I wouldn't say there are a lot. I think it's obviously you know, silly to say something when there's so many decent competitors. But I think Spurs are heading in the right direction. They have strengthened. Conte's been backed. Uh, now has a squad full of options and versatility and, and backups. And you know I think they've now got one of Europe's most exciting forward lines as well. But obviously Conte is the the ace in the pack as well. Uh, they picked up the third most points. After he arrived, obviously City and Liverpool earning more. He's had a full pre-season, got the players that he wants. Uh, and I think history suggests as well that you know Conte teams are very dangerous in the second year after he's had a, a full pre-season too. So I would make them the main challengers outside of the big two. Um, and I just think Chelsea are possibly not quite as strong as last season. Uh, they may have stood still a little bit. Spurs only finished three points behind them last season anyhow, and that's despite the disastrous start they had under Nuno. So the gap has closed significantly since Conte 
has taken charge and I think they've moved forward while Chelsea may have stood still a little bit. So if you look at the squad, you know, obviously Sterling and Koulibaly are great additions. Um, you still lost Rudiger, Christensen, Aspilicueta's being linked with a move away constantly. Thiago Silva's a year older now. And N'Golo Conte is a, a player who's not been fit for a long time. And there's still no obvious and consistent goal scorer in that squad either. So, you know, a huge faith in Thomas Tuchel doing what's required to, to get Chelsea and, and engineer them into a position where they can compete. But uh, if you look at last season, particularly the second half, clearly off-field issues may have distracted the squad. And Tuchel said so much himself. But 12 draws last year, and I think... That's probably a, you know, an impact of not having a, a player of the ability of Harry Kane or Mo Salah or even Erling Haaland up front. So, um, yes, yeah, Spurs would be the, the pick in both markets. Do, do you know what, George? I, I, I'm just talking about Chelsea there. I'm really disappointed that um, Belotti hasn't been picked up by uh, by Chelsea. I, I mean, you, you know, you go back to uh, Diego Costa and you, you feel like they, they missed that sort of player, certainly under the... the Managers previous to, to Thomas Tuchel, and maybe he's not the Thomas Tuchel type of player. He, he wouldn't want him there. But certainly no surprise that it looks like he's going to Roma as well. But he he might not be the the 25, 30 goal striker that they thought Lukaku was going to be. But certainly just give him a different dimension. I think. Got to be got to be a lunatic these days to go to Chelsea as a striker, don't you? Just 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 avoid it at all costs. You know, it's a, it's an absolute graveyard. Um, but yeah, I mean. We're going to talk about the top goal scorer market shortly and we'll talk about what Raheem Sterling does mean for Chelsea. Um, but Jack, it does feel like going into this, the four teams that make up the, the so-called big six, well, you do wonder if that's going to be a big seven pretty soon with the way Newcastle are looking to recruit. Um, Chelsea are the one where, where the vibes are not good. You know, you've got Spurs with Conte progressing, um, Arsenal fans. I mean, it wouldn't be pre-season unless it was Arsenal fans getting overexcited about Mikel Arteta and their chances, would it? And then uh, Manchester United, another new dawn. Uh, another new dawn. Will it be a false dawn again? We'll see. Chelsea do seem to be the ones who come into this campaign with, with the most question marks. However, the market still has them pretty much on a par with Spurs. Yeah, I, I think so we're, we're, the top two are, are there and, and clear. Um, we've then got, for me, a battle um, between Chelsea, Arsenal possibly for a main night into the mix, but I think it's at least a season too early for them after last last season and, and their, their recruitment. Um, but it's an ongoing struggle for them, this this campaign. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I I would say that the battle for that fourth place would be between Arsenal and Chelsea. And, and we've already kind of alluded to it that Chelsea are just, um, although they made a couple of very, very strong additions, they've just kind of got that, that little bit element of question mark about them at the moment. And, uh, and yeah, good old Arsenal, riding the crest of a, a fantastic pre-season, but not for the first time. Uh, yes, made some good additions, uh, not for the first time. Um, the potential's there. Um, the proof will be in the pudding, as we always say, uh, which they've just fallen short on. And obviously, they've got Europe to contend with this season, which they didn't have last season, which will be a, um, a, you know, another a big impact, considering, I say, with the, the, especially with the, the schedule being um, condensed as it is. Yeah, it does feel like for Arsenal after their decent pre-season and the recruitment they've done, having a first up at Palace away on the Friday night, memories of, of losing to Brentford last season, mm. memories of, of Patrick Vieira um, and, and his Palace side dominating them last season. It feels like it couldn't really be a worse game to kick off their campaign, but if they do get the win, it'll certainly start them off much better than last season. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Manchester United because you know we've spoken about Spurs there and I think everyone's fairly positive on Spurs. With, with United, David, you know, it's Eric Ten Hag's first season he certainly comes it feels like the first appointment 
United have made since Fergie, where it's a potentially elite level coach coming in, not at the swan, not the, kind of the end of his career, and proven in the Champions League and at the top level as well. What, what would what do you think would be a, a successful first season for Tenard? Of course, I mean uh, qualifying for the Champions League would be uh, would be successful. I mean the um, coming into a, in, in a club in the the condition it is that there's so many factions of the club that aren't working, and um, and I think he he'll have identified that straight away. But you just feel we talk about the stability with other clubs. Manchester United has so many problems where they 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 need solving. The biggest one probably Ronaldo. They have uh, seven central defenders, for which is going to be for two spaces. Mm. Uh, they don't. They they they're very light in in the centre of the pitch. Of course, there's the the Frankie De Jong saga that's been going on forever. And um, I don't and, think he wants to go, does he? No, <laughs> and, and that and that's that, that's a massive problem for them. And the only um, I mean, I'm sure that they, they must have other targets, but you look around and um, the. the they seem to have put all their eggs in one basket, and, uh, and the the longer it goes on, the the the, the less likely they're going to be able to bring somebody in, and they're still going to be left with McTominay and Fred in the centre of the park. Of course, they've signed Christian Eriksen, who will play a little bit further forward. Of course, he's a great addition to the to the squad. Whether he, he's going to be playing in every game, he certainly uh, adds value to uh, to the team. But again, they just need somebody in that sort of. Either a defensive midfield player or a defensive play, uh, midfield uh, playmaker like Frank De Jong, someone who can dictate from the set of the pitch, someone who can really give them the lens to the style that Ten Hag wants them to play. Where at the moment, um, again, McTominay and Fred just just aren't the players that can can be the link between the defence and the attacking players. And you, you've seen last season where they turned into. Almost a counter-attacking side at, at times when they're going back to fun very quickly. Of course, if that's if that's the way you want to play it and and that's how you play, then that's fine. But it all just seems to be that missing link in the middle that they need, and they, they probably need one or two in there. What do you make of the reports um, over the weekend that Sir Alex Ferguson is being brought back into the um, behind the scenes, you know, in a, in a kind of consultancy role for Eric Ten Hag? You know, is it going to be um, a big positive to have a club legend who was in charge of you know the the, the best time of, of the club's um, history, or is it going to be a bit difficult to suddenly you know do they need to move on from that era? You have to wonder whether he's ever been away really, apart from yeah. when he, he had his illness, you know, and obviously he's he's feeling in better health at the moment. So you've seen that he was brought to the training ground for the talks with uh, Ronaldo and, and George Mendes. So he still has some, has some influence, and of course it takes a strong manager to to be able to to have someone like that on your shoulder. But I, just looking at, uh, at Eric Ten Hag, I think he is that character, and I think he he'll listen certainly listen to him and, and take on board the the the, the experience that comes with uh, with, with dealing with someone like that, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. But it, I can't see him having too much influence in tactics or recruitment, but. Just having someone like that, who's a who's a real leader, who's been seen, done it all, it it, it can be valuable to a club. And I think that it, it, I don't think it is a case of dragging the the club into the past. It's just been somebody being there as a as a bit of a figurehead and somebody that the Ten Hag can can lean on if he wishes to. But he's, he looks like a strong character to me. I don't think he'd be needed to do that too much. 
Yeah, indeed. Uh, seeing rumours that Tom Tom Huddleston is set to sign for Manchester United. Didn't realise we were in 2007 here, uh, but obviously it'll be a, a, a hybrid role uh, with the under-23s, as we're seeing plenty of clubs doing. Uh, Jack and Mark, before we move on from the kind of the top six ends, um, who would you be with? Say there was a match bet between Arsenal and United at this stage. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Who are you more positive on? Um, God, uh, probably just Arsenal. <laughs> um, it's, it's not an easy one to, to take. I, I still think these two are are a decent stretch away from from the top four of last season. Um, you know, Arsenal have signed pretty well. They got Saliba back as well as who will strengthen the defence. But I still question their maturity and their ability to to handle the big occasions. I think what Arsenal did really well last season uh, was get back to kind of old style of being real flat track bullies and winning the matches they're expected to win. Uh, they picked up a huge amount of points against the bottom half and and that stand them and stood them in good stead. But uh, clearly, as, as Jack said, the European commitments is something which I don't think is being talked about enough really because last year they didn't have them so uh, and they still managed to screw things up at the end and you know, that terrible start so um, yeah I still need to see a bit more maturity in that squad it's obviously a young squad and moving in the right direction and I like what Arteta is doing in terms of the, the bigger picture and the project there so and, and just a massive question mark over United really because individually there's so much talent in that squad um, Ericsson, Sanchez, Fernandez, Varane um, last season there was a, a fair degree of optimism about them after some big name signings um, but they ended up 11 points off Arsenal and 13 off the top four. So Eric Ten Hag, you know, he's got a strong CV, but he's not actually been coaching as the number one for that long, really, for a 52-year-old. Um, strong personality, clear philosophy. I think that will benefit them for sure. Uh, but he needs time and needs support as well. To It's a proper rebuild there. So some real major surgery. You know, we talked about the holding midfield and the central midfield. You know, it's not been it's not been upgraded really. I, I don't believe Ericsson is the is the answer there. I think he'll be playing a little bit further forward. So, um, yeah, wait to see. They've also got Europa League commitments to deal with too. So, um, probably Arsenal, but but only just. Just Arsenal, Jack. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Arsenal as well. There, I think they're further down the line than United are. United need to, um, as as we've already said, they just they've got to get themselves sorted out, and um, they've got a lot of progression to make to catch up with with the rest. Um, and say, I think in answer to your, your question you put a little bit earlier, to show, show some identity, to show some some like consistency, and um, and, and to kind of close the gap uh, from, from themselves and, and the top five. Uh, would be progression for them this season, um, but yeah, I, I don't think they've quite got enough at this moment in time to um, to, to do that. Well, let's look down towards the bottom end of the Premier League uh, at the relegation market now. Um, Bournemouth are the four to six, sorry, four to seven favourites for the drop. Uh, the only team odds on uh, Nottingham Forest are five to four, uh, Fulham thirteen to ten, uh, Leeds are uh, nine to four, Brentford's. Uh, Five to two or twenty-three to ten actually is a bit of uh, no five to four is best price. Um, Southampton three to one, Everton seven to two, Wolves eleven to two, Palace seven to one, Brighton nine to one, Leicester sixteen to one, um, Villa uh, eighteen to one, West Ham twenty-five to one. It feels, David, like maybe one of the more open um, relegation markets in recent times. You know, you think back this time last summer. Everton, I think, were 25 to 1 for the drop, and, and look what happened with them, so close to going down. Um, and all three promoted teams <clears throat> certainly looking in fair nick going into the new campaign. Uh, who do you think are, are set to struggle? Well, I think just listening to the odds there, I, I can't really disagree with, the, uh, with, with what's been said. It, you look at Bournemouth, Bournemouth haven't really recruited a great deal. They've, brought, uh, they've recently brought in Marcus Tavernier from, uh, from Middlesbrough. 
um, couple of signs from the championship. It really looks like, and it feels like to me, as if they're they're not they don't want to do a forest. They don't want to have a big outlay of money. They're quite happy there to go with what they've got, more or less. And then if they go down, then they're in a stronger position uh, to come back again, more settled position to come back up. And they, they, there's no big fire sale of players. And then try and keep that consistency. So the next time they come up, they're, they're better equipped to, to stay in the league. Leeds are a big worry for me. I know they've um, uh, they've recruited um, OK. Uh, Aronson coming in, looks a decent player. Um, obviously, a great assist at the weekend for, for Patrick Bamford. Um, and he'll be crucial to them this season. Without Bamford this season, they, 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 there's no question they'll struggle. But also Jesse Marsh is a, is a big still a big question mark over his ability to to make inroads in this league with uh, with his Leeds team. So I I put them as second bottom and then uh, and then Fulham. I think um, f- between them and Forest, I think, you know, obviously Forest have made a big outlay in players. That could come back to backfire on them when it, t- when it takes time for all those players to gel into the side. Um, I think Dean Henderson's been a, a great acquisition for them. Um, obviously losing Bryce Samba last season, who was the hero of the penalty shot in the semi-final, uh, playoff semi-final. Um, he could have been a big player for them. But um, Dean Henderson's been a, it's an adequate, adequate, more than adequate cover for them. And I think they'll just do enough to steal. Uh, just just using your goalkeeping expertise uh, quickly um, with with Henderson, how how good is he? Do, are you surprised he didn't get more of an opportunity at Manchester United to try and get that number one spot off off Davidea? Yeah, possibly. But I think when you when you playing for a club like Manchester United, you're not going to get a real long time to to bed in. Now, of course, David De Gea took time to to just to English football. Of course, he did. But with Dean, he's made a gradual rise through the league, so using the loan system. And then once he got his chance, then it, that was him to take it. He, he needed to, to put, perform at a level that was going to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a, 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 a problem. Um, David Hare, one of the biggest uh, earners in the, at the club, so it was always going to be difficult to, to, to keep him on the bench. Um, even though, of course, Manchester United they, they can take that. They can take that hit if, they, if somebody earns three hundred thousand pound a week and be on the bench. Of course, they can do that. But it's always going to be a, pro- a problem, and uh, and Dean just needed to perform that much better than to keep him outside. Just didn't quite do that. He wasn't dominant in his performances, and um, and, and this move makes sense. And um, yeah, I just hope they can, can grasp it now and and take it on from there because there's still time for him to to claim his place back at, at Manchester United because you know you look at pre-season. David de Gea saying all the right things, coming out, trying to be a leader. And then coming up short when it comes to dealing with crosses all, almost yet again. So it's um, it's not a foregone conclusion that De Gea is going to be there for a uh, long term still. And uh, indeed, Henson's got a chance to, if he can perform at Forest, to win that place back. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at your three um, selections for relegation, uh, on, there is a relegation treble market up on Odds Checker as well. And uh, Bournemouth, uh, or was it Bournemouth, Fulham? And it was ten to Leeds. one, and Leeds ten to one. The three of them, yeah, with William Hill, um, ten to one for those three to get relegated. Uh, Mark, how do you see the relegation market at this stage? Similar to, to David, actually, um, I've got grave concerns about Bournemouth. Uh, I've never been completely convinced by Scott Parker, anyhow. But you know, if you look to the last four seasons, on three occasions, at least two promoted teams went straight back down. And, and Parker's comments at the weekend were really quite concerning. Really, he said they're way short of where they need to be. 
uh, ahead of the season. He said we barely have any defenders. Uh, we lost eight players at the start of the season. At this present moment in time, the squad is much weaker than it was two months ago when we got promoted. Uh, basically, got three senior centre-backs on the books. Captain Lloyd Kelly, Chris Meppham and James Hill. James Hill is a youngster. Meppham played only eight games at centre-back last season. Uh, Hill played just two minutes. So that's a, a massive area of concern for Bournemouth right now. So I expect them to be there or thereabouts, as the, the market suggests. Fulham too, I think, obviously, Marco Silva, I think, is a, a real asset to have. Um, but I didn't think the championship was a, a high-quality league last season, and Fulham at times sort of meandered their way towards the title, and, and Silva sounded really unhappy at the weekend as well. Um, wouldn't be too surprised if there's issues behind the scenes at Fulham at the minute. They only had three senior outfield players on the bench in their final pre-season game, and, and Silva said himself, no one can compete at this level with just 16 senior players in the squad. Again, at centre-half, they're just massively short because he's ostracised a few of the, the more senior players, trying to get them out of the door. So they basically got Tim Ream and, and tossing Adarabayo as options, and, and Tim Ream, as we know, is probably not good enough for the Premier League these days. So those two would be a huge concern. I've Massive faith in Forrest, more down to Steve Cooper than actually their, their transfer business. I think once they won promotion, I was relatively confident that they'd have a, a decent fist of things as uh, as Brentford and Leeds did. Uh, I just think his tactical acumen, his, his attention to detail and the balance in the squad is, is really strong. And I do like the additions. Leeds concerns for sure after losing key players. Um, Southampton, there's question marks over, but just a, a big believer in Ralph Hasenhuttle and his process and Everton, I can see the clamour, but I'm going to throw out a bit of a wild card in really, which is uh, Wolves 11 to 2. Got absolute pelters on social media with my 1 to 20 <laughs> from Wolves fans for this, but there is a, a method to the madness really. And Jose Saar was the standout goalkeeper in the Premier League last year. And um, if you look at post shots, XG numbers, uh, quite remarkable really. Um, he basically prevented around nine goals, more than uh, less than, than Wolves should have conceded really. He also led the league for save percentage, Going forward, things were pretty wretched. They're in the bottom three for goals scored. Um, and also, if you look at their, their sort of shots on target numbers, really, really poor. They've actually been averaging fewer than one goal per game over the last two seasons. So it wasn't just last year. Um, obviously, a few players have come back, Pedro Neto for sure, uh, which will strengthen them. There's been talk, but they've changed system and style in, in pre-season to try and combat what was a, a really flat period from February onwards when the fence seemed to falter and the attack wilted and they had a bottom three process over a 24-game period too. So, um, yeah, concerns there for Wolves. I just think at 11-2, you mentioned Everton last year at 25-1 to as a, a team who fell back into trouble. Wolves wouldn't surprise me if they were in the bottom six mix and therefore... 11-2 would be a price I'd be quite happy to take. 11-2 there. Wolves, uh, that's with 10-bet and Sport Nation. Uh, Shorts 4-1 to one elsewhere, so make sure you do use the odds checker grids to, to ensure you're getting the best price for this one. So we've had, we've had, what, four put up there now? So both David and Mark putting up uh, Bournemouth and um, Fulham. Uh, concerns from Mark for Leeds, David as well, and then and then a, a bigger price, 11-2. So Jack, what have you got for us? I've got nothing left to add, really, to be honest. I think the, 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 oh, the no. guys have, have pretty I'll much nailed it. Top score in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my notes down basically reiterate everything that's been said there. The ones in the mix, obviously the defaults are going to be the promoted sides. Bournemouth for the ones that have most fear. They do remind me of Norwich, not last time round, but the time round before where they kept the core of the side that got them promoted. And... Um, to, to kind of go back and come again, uh, as I said, the, the, the addition of Tavernier, but they're saying he's going to play as a left wing back, apparently. So uh, it's an interesting mix. But uh, so them to finish bottom for me at two to one is possibly a, a, another angle in. Um, and, and Everton and Wolves. I fancy one of the promoted sides to, to survive, at least one. 
Um, and as Mark said, Cooper probably gets um, Forrest a few extra points because of his managerial acumen. Um, but as David said, the, the, we've got to wait to see how they gel because they had to effectively put a, a, another half a team together due to the loans that went back at the end of last season that, that, did, that did them so well. So Everton and Wolves are the ones that would at a price because yeah, you can you can make a case for pretty much everyone from Wolves down, I think. Um, but Wolves are the ones, and Lamar touched on it, 38 goals last season, only the bottom three scored fewer goals than that. Jimenez top score was six. He's now out for a few weeks. Um, so uh, a, a tricky start to the campaign for them um, could could lead to a few troubles. But um, yeah, I, I'll go with what the, what the guys have said there. Nothing extra to add than that. Well, I'll, I'll chuck something at you then, because I'm amazed, mate, that, that between the three of you, learned experts in this field um that everton haven't been mentioned at seven to two is this not i mean from where i'm sitting you've got a, a team who were fairly fortunate to, to stay up last season I, I think the the most important game and, and three points that they got in their survival bid was when they went to newcastle uh went down to 10 men were battered for the most part and broke up the, the other end and, and then after 94 minutes and, and won the game one nil uh, and that kind of started the comeback but you've got a manager in frank lampard that there are still huge question marks over uh, they lost Richarlson, their, their most talented player, uh, as well. It, it's one of those, you, you know. Sometimes in horse racing, you say, uh, you know, if this if this horse was trained by John Gosden, it would be favourite. It feels to me like if this wasn't Everton, if, if Everton were called something else, but we had the same data over the last twelve months or so and the same knowledge of the manager, they'd be shorter than seven to two. But you can tell me, Jack, that I'm uh, why I'm wrong. Uh, no, I, I definitely have Everton in the mix. As I said, I think it's. Um... I just felt it's a little short for me, um, but you make a strong case, as said uh, Richarlison, you. as you said, <laughs> as you <laughs> always do. Uh, but Richarlison, <laughs> 10 goals last season, twice as many as the, the next highest scorer for Everton and was top assists as well. So um, Lampard, is he going to go back to the style? Is he going to stick the twist? Um, lots of questions to be asked. And as I say, they were a shambles last season. 10 points on the road, that's that's the thing for them. If they can, If they can put something together away from home, then then they've got a better chance because Goodison's a strong, strong place for them, um, relatively speaking, as far as the, the relegation mix is concerned. But um, we're, we're atrocious away. So they picked up four points in their final three away games. So um, that, that only drew the level with Norwich as far as points gained on the road, which is never a good place to be. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely, I think they're, they're bang in trouble. Um, but uh, I, you know, just would, would have shaded with Wolves purely because they're a slightly bigger price. What, I would, what I'd say about Everton, just as uh, you know, minor, minor positive, is mm. um, just like Leeds last season, they were absolutely ravaged by injuries to, to real key players as well. Um, Calvert-Lewin barely played, uh, barely played at 100% at least, and he's had a full pre-season. Yerry Mina's back around available again. So some really key players that were injured for long periods of time. And uh, again, just a minor positive. I'm not particularly fond of Everton at all. I do think there's hmm. plenty of reasons why that 72 is a, is a nice price. But there was that sort of siege mentality towards the end of the season when supporters really kind of got behind their team and made Goodison a really quite intimidating place to play. And I think that kind of um, backs against the wall and kind of us against you mentality has been retained throughout the summer by Everton supporters who are getting pretty peeved by everyone putting up for relegation and believing that they're they're too good to go down. So I wouldn't be too surprised if, if Everton fans really got behind their team again. Uh, but as we'll talk to as well, Lampard stores the top end of the sack race uh, market. So if he's gone early doors, they could easily get a stronger replacement in. So yeah, just a few sort of more crumbs of comfort, I'd say, for Everton. I don't know how much I'd trust um, 
you know, the Everton owners to, to a, a make a better appointment, given what we've seen in, in recent seasons as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly Everton fans are very much on board with Lamps and, and credit him with, with keeping them up last season, which has got to be a positive uh, going into the next campaign. Now, before we look at the top goalscorer market, um, David, I'll come to you quickly just on kind of the rest. We've got a Crystal Palace team who I absolutely love with my EFL hat on. Uh, not only have we seen uh, Bereze and Michael Elise uh, last season come to the fore, but also... Malcolm Ebiowe is a player that I absolutely love who they've got in from Derby over the summer. Uh, we've also got Brighton, um, the, the data darlings. They finally seemingly got a striker in, in Undav who could actually finish the chances that they consistently create. Um, Leicester under Brendan Rodgers could be losing James Madison. We'll see. Newcastle, West Ham and Aston Villa as well. Who of those are you, are you positive about and who do you think could be in for a, a difficult season? Well, I'm going to belie my uh, my Mackham roots, and uh, <laughs> and I'm going to say that I think Newcastle can can look forward to, the, to this season with a lot of positivity. Great second half of the season from Eddie Howe and uh, and the players. I've seen a couple of games in pre-season as well. They look in good shape, fine fettle, defensively look sound. Nick Pope is a great addition to the uh, to the squad. They're very strong in the um, goalkeeping department. Of course, Martin Dubravka, I thought. Written really highly, always doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But Nick Pope is as solid as they come in the Premier League, mm. and um, and it, like I said, he he improves them greatly in that department. But uh, but also I think that when it comes to stability and to, to improving squads, you look at the balance sheet of squads when it comes to to quality. You know the the in, ins against the outs. I think it's it, it looks really rosy for for United and uh, United because. They haven't got the, the sort of the the shotgun effect of transfers that we, we thought they were going to have. We thought they would just be buying players from, or certainly the idea that they'd just be, you know, buying players for now and not for the future. They've been very tempered in their approach, and and I think like likes of Gimarish coming in, Joel Linton's performances, um, being a real bonus for them, and and I can see them being a sort of a really solid outfit this season and. I could quite possibly go as far as say that they could creep in that top six. Mm. Like I said, because the, the rest of the clubs, you look at like say Man United, they've got a lot of ground to make up uh, squad-wise, sort of new manager. Those things can hinder them and take time for them to, to, to get in the stride. Newcastle, they, they, they're on a real high from last season, a lot of positivity. So like I said, maybe one or two little adjustments to the to the league, uh, to the squad before uh, the transfer window finishes. And I'll see them right up there. Yeah, I'll quickly run through the top six market now. Uh, and Mark and Jack, you can add any thoughts you've got. Um, ignoring the, the, the big six where Arsenal are the, are the biggest price at four to seven. Uh, Newcastle are 11 to four. West Ham, nine to two. Villa, 11 to two. Leicester, six to one. Brighton, nine to one. Palace, 14 to one. Um, Jack, can you see any of those breaking anything? Any of them of value to do so? Um, not as far as the top six is concerned, but a market I do like is the handicap market. So, um, and, and I'm with you with Palace. Uh, I was fearful last season that Vieira coming in as a as a playing legend, but not not having had a man, mm. second as managerial experience in the in the EPL. Um, what he's going to do because he was tasked with ripping up a template, ripping up and and putting a new identity into place at Palace from obviously Roy Hodgson's days, older players being there that kind of, um, well, boring approach, really, and uh, kind of make it an exciting team to watch. Young players coming through, giving, giving um, young you know, ta- talent a chance, lower league talent a chance as well. and um, But also having to save them from relegation, and, and they never looked in danger last season. Um, they, they got 48 points, uh, but they 
um, only lost 12 games, only the top four and Brighton lost fewer than that. The, um, so the 48 points total was was 10 less than their expected points, which was 58. And um, we can get them on a handicap at the moment at plus 41 at 16 to 1. Um, so if they can get anywhere close to the expected points this season, say Zaha produced a, a record um, goal haul last season with 14. You've already mentioned Eze. Michael Elise is a fantastic player that I really, really like coming through from, from the championship. Hampered by injuries last season, but um, nine starts, five assists for him. Uh, Mateo is a second season up front. Edward in backup. They've got lots there. The, the defensive pairing of Anderson and um, Guy High looked very, very impressive. And I uh, love the recruitment of Czech Decore coming in from Lons um, for about 20 odd million, replacing effectively um, Gallagher going, the other, going back to Chelsea. But um, say, so if we can get them up to 50 ish points, adding 41 to that will put them up into the 90s. And I think that could make them very competitive, certainly put them in the argument. At 16 to 1 in the handicap. Yeah, handicap market there, uh, the way to play Palace for Jack. Uh, Mark, anything to add uh, for this this group of teams? Um, not massively now. It's funny how sort of a week in, in football can change your opinion slightly, but um, I had Leicester at 13 to 2 as uh, the best value bet outside of the big six to finish you know, top outside of the big six. Um, but Clearly, the sort of the, the rumours we're hearing out of Leicester in the past week is is a bit concerning with Fafana potentially moving away, um, the move for James Madison as well from Newcastle too. But you know, I think there's been a lot of sort of um, negativity around Leicester, and I, I I was struggling to sort of work out why that is. Sure, they haven't strengthened their squad this summer, but I don't think that's necessarily required. Um, last season they finished eighth despite having a a really wretched campaign where defensively they were completely atrocious. They still finished eighth and three points off seventh. So they were three points off winning this title last season uh, and they're 13 to do it this time around without European commitments, without the same injury concerns as well. If you look at the squad, it's absolutely stacked with quality throughout, really. Um, I know Schmeichel's going or gone now, but I actually think it's probably a bit of a positive for Leicester if they can get a replacement in. So, um, But yeah, clearly if Fafana does go, he was the big miss last year. Uh, there is a, a concern there. Uh, Madison, I, I'm not too concerned about because I think Harvey Barnes is possibly the better option there. But uh, in terms of a squad right now, Leicester's is, is really well stacked and, and really well capable of sort of competing towards that top seven or eight. But as you've already mentioned, there's a really fascinating battle there to be sort of the best of the rest with Newcastle and, and West Ham and, and Aston Villa, Brighton, Palace. So it's going to be really competitive. It's an interesting market with Skybet as well, just quickly, David, before, before you pick up, where they're, Skybet have each way terms as well. So you can back Leicester at 13 to 2, a fifth of three. So even if they're finishing their um, you know, top three places outside the six, they're still getting a, a profit. I've got a couple of plus and minuses for, for, to add to Leicester City because, yeah, Schmeichel's uh, perhaps come to the end of his, uh, his prime, but he's, he's a huge character in that dressing room. He really influenced, got a, 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 real, a real natural authority, and so he'll be a big miss in the dressing room. But they've got Daniel Everson, you'll have seen at Preston over the last couple of seasons, mm. and, and he's a real, he, he's a brilliant, brilliant shot stopper. The distribution can be improved, of course, but I think he's somebody who can who can take over the mantle of Casper Schmeichel and, and make sure that they don't miss him. Um, but also, I, I watched them against Notts County in pre-season uh, in a game that lost 2-1, and they lost two both goals to Notts County at set pieces. So that problem is still, still there for them. Mm. So they, they, they still haven't solved that. 
it feels like the, the Brendan Rogers um, club arc. Um, and normally when it gets to this stage, he's sacked. So we don't know what happens next, but it always seems to be, a, a, you know, improvement, 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 then a massive drop off. And I think we saw the drop off last season, but hopefully Brendan can can arrest that. And I'd just like to to kind of repeat what, what David said there. Daniel Everson has been one of, if not the best keeper in the in the championship over the last couple of seasons, won all the awards at Preston last season as well. And uh, I hope he does get the chance to show what he can do at the top level for Leicester. Um Last two markets, we're going to go through the top goal scorer and then the sack race. Um, top goal scorer market is as such. Uh, Erling Haaland is the 11 to 4 favourite ahead of Mo Salah at 9 to 2. Harry Kane, 6 to 1. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, of course, now of Arsenal, 12 to 1. Darwin Nunes, 14 to 1. Uh, Hyunmin Son, 20 to 1 after his exploits last season. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, will he be there? He's 20 to 1. Raheem Sterling, uh, Chelsea's main goal threat, you'd have thought, 33 to 1. Jamie Vardy, 33 to 1. Uh, Luis Diaz is 50 to 1. Um, 66 to 1 bar those. Uh, if the each way terms weren't particularly favourable in the outright market, you've got to think that most firms paying a quarter of the four uh, is handy enough, although ball sports really sticking their neck out paying a quarter to six in the top goal scoring market. Naturally, their price is a bit shorter than the rest. But if you're looking to pick up a place at a bigger price, they could be the way to play this. Uh, Jack, I promise you first run here. So take it away. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, yeah, obviously, again, similar to the title race, we're not surprised to see who's at the, the top of this particular market. Um, Holland's obviously going to come in and, and you would expect to um, have complete silver, silver platter service from a whole host of um, people behind him, whoever Pep decides to put in at any one particular point. Um, and obviously Salah uh, at Liverpool. The questions, I suppose, around those, and it's hard to argue against them, but to try and put some kind of argument against them is that, um, that is Haaland in to help Manchester City win the Premier League or is he in to help them win that elusive Champions League and therefore the priorities might be there with a bit of rotation um, and also, of course, um, you know, with Salah, you, you're looking at the impact that Mane will have um, being missing from that and how he links up with, with Nunes going in there. So um, I'd expect both to hit 20 plus uh, to set the bar for us to look elsewhere down the list. Um, I'd like to have a little bit of a crack at someone at slightly bigger odds than what we're getting up out from the favourites. Obviously, you've got the likes of Kane and Son. Son was 40 to 1 last season, I believe. I do know someone that was on him uh, outright. <laughs> uh, very nearly came fully off, um, tied obviously at the end. Um, last season, 23 goals, won, top, uh, won the golden boot, and 17 would have got you the place in the top four. So, looking through that, um, you mentioned Sterling. I've actually gone for his teammate as someone to possibly keep an eye on as, as Havertz if he's going to be playing as a, as a number nine. Obviously, Lukaku no longer there, who we expected to, to feast last season. Certainly wasn't that. Famine. Uh, yeah, famine indeed. Um, looking at Havertz's stats for his um, starts as a number nine um, for Chelsea, 17 in the Premier League, got seven goals. So would put him in the conversation to, to sort of be up there to say get possibly like 15 to 20 goals and if it really hits hits off for him then um, he could say certainly get break that 20 he's, he's got the talent and what I would say about him is that he's on a upward trajectory from when he started with Chelsea and he seems to be finding his feet in his confidence given a, a consistent run in the team and a role in that position then possibly would be one at 66 to one I saw him best priced um, potentially to certainly each way value 
Um, there's lot, lots there again there to, to offer him some um, by way of ammunition. Uh, if Reese James can stay on the pitch, he got nine assists last season. Um, he's a he's a player I like in the assist market to be honest at 33 to one. But it's another story. Um, but <laughs> there's plenty of um, plenty of said players around them that can feed uh, feed him and uh, give him an opportunity to say certainly get in the conversation to be uh, a, a decent each way shot at 66 to one. Six six to one is with Coral. Um, there, uh, they are a quarter of the four. Uh, Kai Havertz, the the big price fancy for Jack. Uh, David, who do you who do you see troubling the the scorers? Just thinking back to last season, that might be in the um, in the build up to the Champions League. There was an interview with um, with with Mo Salah, and, and what came over was just his incredible drive to make sure that he scores as many goals as possible. Every year, he's putting a bench a benchmark higher and higher for himself. And I think one thing probably has got to keep into consideration for this season is that with Sadio Mane going to buy Munich, mm. now there's no pressure on him to, for him to pass to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he can save all those chances for himself and then uh, and, and, and add to his tally. But um, yeah, he's just, just that incredible mentality. Of course, all the great goal scorers have got that Harry Kane as well. You can, you can He'll always be up there and, and the improvements they, they've made in the squad as well. But... I'd like to know what price that Jamie Vardy is to be top scorer this season because I've heard he, he might need a few of those goal bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, 33 to 1, best price with each trade terms, 40 to 1 elsewhere. He'll have to have a fair few quid on that in order to, to pay off the um, the family debts, should we say? Uh, but anyway, moving on quickly before I get in trouble. Uh, Mark, <laughs> who, who do you see in the, uh, in the top goal scorer market? Probably nothing too original, really, from what you've already heard. Um, but on Erling Haaland, uh, no Man City player has actually won the top goal scorer award under Pep Guardiola. Uh, and last season, De Bruyne was their top goal scorer in the Premier League with 15. And you've probably heard the stat as well, been reeled out plenty of times that no foreign players uh, won the golden boot in their debut season as well. So a couple of trends going against Haaland. So, yeah, for me, it was just a, a straight shootout, really, between Salah and Kane and, and who you prefer at the prices. They've topped the scoring charts in six of the last seven seasons. My preference is Salah, uh, the sole winner or the joint winner in, in, in three of the last five. One goal off it last year. Uh, 92, I think, is a, an absolutely fair price considering his consistency and, and the fact he's not off to the World Cup. And, and Harry Kane, as captain of England, could well be coming home with emotional baggage, whether that's positive or negative. We just don't know, really. So um, Salah on penalties, always, almost always fit. If you look at his uh, appearance record, it's, it's quite remarkable, really. Signed that new deal as well, averages 24 goals season which is quite phenomenal really um but yeah Kane he only scored two goals before Christmas last year ended up with 17 so you could see the impact that Conte had and, and Kane obviously had that slow start after his sort of want away moves to, to City as well but um yeah Vardy he's actually placed in five of the last seven seasons as well so I think there's a, probably a, an each way angle there but uh, like Jack uh, Kai Havertz would be my big price fancy at 66 is um I think it's 0.4 Premier League goals per 90 0.48 xg Per 90 last season, um, big price considering he's probably going to be the, the sort of central forward in that Chelsea system. The market's giving Sterling a, a lot of love, obviously because he's been hacking up with loads of goals for City. But um, I think Havertz will be the, the chief goal threat really, and he has had an 18 goal season with Leverkusen in the past when he wasn't actually kind of playing in that sort of central forward role either. So um, I think there's plenty of potential there, but you know obviously need him to stay fit and uh, and well. He's had uh, issues with injury as well as illness in the past couple of years since making the move. Yeah, Kai Havertz again, positive mentions uh, for him. I'm going to throw in one at a massive price, um, I think, and especially given the ball sports paying uh, a quarter of the six. Uh, Odds and Edouard is 125 to one. 
uh, scored six goals on his on his debut season last season for Palace, uh, only playing I think it was one thousand five hundred minutes uh, over the course of the season. You now being eased in, uh, yeah, one thousand five hundred sixty-seven. Uh, only eighteen starts, ten sub appearances, six goals, three assists. Uh, was getting two point three shots per game off for most of it in the penalty area. Seen him be prolific in the past for Celtic. Scored two goals in their in their last friendly as well. Um, you know, it's a big price. It's one of those where if he can make that position his own, knowing that we do as Palace are going to be a pretty attacking side under Patrick Vieira, uh, could be one of those to sneak into a, a place, especially uh, paying all those places as well. You kind of feel like if he does start 30 odd games, he should be able to get into double figures and then you're going to get a run for your money uh, for those place terms. Um, move on then to uh, the sack race. First manager sacked in the Premier League. Uh, normally don't have to wait too long for this. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, uh, Frank Lampard is the four to one favourite here, um, ahead of uh, Jesse March, who is six to one, um, and Ralph Hasnutl also six to one. Uh, Brendan Rodgers nine to one. Bruno Large twelve to one. Marco Silva twelve to one. Scott Parker twelve to one. Thomas Tuchel fourteens. Eddie Howe eighteen. Stephen Gerrard twenty. Vieira twenty five. Cooper twenty five. Frank twenty eight. Arteta thirty three. Moyes thirty three. Ten thirty three. Potter. And Conte both thirty-three to one as well, and then the the big two, Pep and Klopp, both sixty-six to one. Um, David, I come to you first. You know, someone who's who's been in, been behind the scenes at clubs, know how things work. Who do you think could be under pressure early early doors? I think um, through probably no fault of his own, really. Probably Bruno Large. Like we mentioned the deficiencies in their their goal scoring ranks. Of course, um, Huang has been um, has been recruited um, permanently, fifteen million. So. It, that will lighten the load a little bit from um, from Jimenez's uh, injury, but still, it's it's going to be difficult for them to to make any inroads in the, into the division uh, to start this season. I think, and, and especially they're not a high-scoring uh, team anyway. Losing those goals from Jimenez, of course, they, they I mean they survived without him when he went through that long period out with uh, with his uh, head injury. But I think it'd just be too much for for them to cope with this time around, and I think that um, yeah. Like I said, nothing doubt the deficiencies in his coaching. Just circumstantial will, uh, uh, situation will, will make sure that it'll probably be him. Interesting stuff. Yeah, twelve to one larger um, is to be first to go large. Um, Jack, who do you think could be? You you gave me a pretty good one in the in the championship market for this. You gave me Dean Smith at forty to one. Definitely not forty to one now after Norwich's opening day defeat. So can you <laughs> can you repeat the trick here? Uh, nothing that big, I'm afraid, because I don't really fancy um, Pep or, or Jurgen Klopp to get get dismissed. So we're we're, <laughs> we're that top end of the market. I think is is a race between probably eight managers. I actually had Bruno Lager down as well, based on what I said about Wolves and the relegation situation. He just cut a very frustrated figure last season towards the end, um, and uh, you could potentially see that starting this time around. I looked into say the last four seasons, and unfortunately, we've not got a Watford this season if not that would make this conversation a lot easier as you know from last season yeah uh, where you uh, capitalized on that what for the twice West Brom and Fulham were the first managers to uh, first clubs to pull the trigger and three of the last four seasons were promoted sides that suffered so if not Bruno Larger I'd, I'd probably throw Scott Parker into the ring at, at 12 to 1 given that they could be atrocious and um and and kind of left with with nothing but an option to to get rid um I think uh, Watford tend to bring the average game span down. I think there are 11 games between the last two dismissals from their managers. Um, other than that, it's around about 10 or 11. So um, 
it gives Scott Parker enough time, I think, possibly to put a very bad opening run together, um, Frank de Boer style, and uh, and possibly a man man to go. So another twelve to one shot. One for football cliches, I think that one gives him time to put a bad run together. I don't know if you can uh, <laughs> that makes much sense, uh, Mark. Uh, I think Jack's been looking at my notes because they're two 12 to one <laughs> shots that I've got down for the very same reasons with the same very same stats. Um, I think Lampard is a, is a worthy favourite, but I'm not going to back that price. And Southampton and, and Haas and Huttle, um, his teams tend to start pretty well, full of running, fitness and intent. So they're always quite awkward in the opening sort of stanza of the season. So quite happy to sort of look away, even though they've got a difficult start. So, yeah, uh, 12 to one larger, 12 to one Scott Parker, both appeal. Um, but I was also going to sort of split my stake between three and, and chuck in Marco Silva at 12 to one. Um, mentioned earlier, there's clearly a bit of tension behind the scenes about how the summer has gone. The celebrations of sort of promotion have, have long gone. There's quite a despondent mood around the cottage at the minute. And there seems to be a sort of sense of inevitability of after sort of previous promotions, but this is going to be a pretty rough ride. And Fulham play four of the big six in their opening seven games. Um, so it's not just a case that he might be able to, or he might be removed. Um, I think there's also a potential here that Silva might want to walk away and down tools really, because I mentioned those comments at the weekend. Um, you don't want to sort of speculate too much, but read between the lines. And one of the comments was everyone that understands football can see that we need at least five or six players. That's clear. Um, so to me, um, the sort of line of everyone that understands football feels like a sort of subtle dig at the CAO, Alastair McKenzie and the vice chairman, Tony Khan as well. So, you know, if that relationship is fractious, um, you know, there could be a sacking or there could be a sort of walking away from Silver too. So a couple of reasons why I think 12 to 1 for him, as well as the stat that Jack pulled out about the, the newly promoted managers winning this Rare, uh, pretty often in the last couple of years, uh, just just kind of edges him sort of towards the top of my thinking, uh, alongside Parker and Bruno Large. Twelve to one, Marco Silva with Bet Victor uh, Large. Twelve to one with Bet Victor Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power Parker. Twelve to one with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook. <clears throat> I'm going to throw a final big price one into the mix as well. Mikel Arteta at thirty-three to one uh, is as short as sixteen to one elsewhere. I always feel, and it felt the same last season. Every time Palace play against Arsenal, uh, well, first times last season, it's a bit of an audition for for the for the Arsenal manager. I think there's no denying that um, Arsenal fans would probably quite like to see Patrick Vieira in charge. And if I think it will make Arteta's job quite awkward if on Friday night we see Palace do what they did to them last season and win comfortably, um, and it would mean that if they, you know, if the bad start continues. I'm sure there'll be clamour to bring in um, the former captain, uh, Vieira, to, to, to replace him. But, you know, I think Arteta's as short as 16 to 1 elsewhere. That's probably the price I'd have him at. So at 33s, maybe worth a little flyer as well. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks to David. Thanks to Jack. And thanks to Mark uh, for sharing their insights ahead of the Premier League season on the Odds Checker betting show. Uh, subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find loads more preview content and more content throughout the season and across all sports as well we do not check a betting show pretty much every week for horse racing so do subscribe there and you can find all of these shows up on any podcast provider as well do download the odds checker app as i said at the top of the show where you can find all of these markets and the best prices bookie offers free bets and some of the best tipsters in the game as well do check out the Acker Scout, uh, a new content series from Odds Checker, um, designed to find the best betting value for football punters, particularly those eyeing up their next accumulator. Find that on the YouTube channel as well. Fingers crossed for a brilliant Premier League season. Uh, all the best to you guys. Thanks for, for sharing your tips. Hopefully some winners in there. But as is always the case, please ensure that you're gambling responsibly.